Photographer, brought to you by Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor glass containers, anchor caps and closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, a great name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Red Raincoat. Night, about 9.30. Rain. Hard, pelting rain that has driven people indoors and left the streets deserted. At the corner, a bus stop. A woman alights from it. She wears a red, hooded raincoat that covers her head and most of her face. She turns into a side street lined with cheap walk-up apartment houses. Midway of the block, she's about to pass the entrance to an alley when, from its darkness, there's a gunshot. Then another, and another. The woman falls. On the street, brakes are hastily applied to a cruising taxi. As it comes to a skidding halt, the driver... Police! 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 Hey, copper! I heard those shots. Where? From that alley, I think. I didn't see no one. Well, this dame got it in the back. Three bullet holes. Stay here, fellas. Don't let anybody touch her. I'm going to look in that alley. Get back, you people! Get back! This ain't a free show. There's been a murder here. Push him back, Valetti. So I'll have room to shoot a picture. I'm doing the best I can, Casey. Move, you folks. Move. That's better. There's one for page one. Well, that'll be all, Casey. Well, look who's finally got here. My old pal, Logan. How often do I have to tell you that no press pictures are to be taken at the scene of a homicide until after the police photographers get through? I've got a rotten memory, haven't I, Chum? By rights, I ought to take that camera away from you. Oh, no, no. You wouldn't do that to me, not with all these people looking on. I... Oh, nuts. You cops, push this mob back. Clear the block so we'll have room to move around. Sergeant. Yes, Captain. Tell me what happened here. Oh, I can tell you that, Logan. Huh? A cab driver, that little guy over there, heard three shots fired from the alley here and saw this gal in the red raincoat fold up on the sidewalk. Yeah? Huh? A uniformed cop, this guy right here, heard the shots too, searched the alley and found nothing. Well, all the rest is up to you. Hmm. What is Doc's report, Joe, Sergeant? He said the woman was killed instantly, Captain. One of those bullet holes is in line with the heart. Of course, you can't be sure it followed that line through a body until she's turned over. Well, don't do that when my tech men get through. No, sir. Anyone find out who the woman is? Not yet, sir. When we can go through her pockets, we'll probably find something that'll... Ann Williams is circulating through that crowd, Logan, trying to locate someone who might know... Say, here she comes now with a fat tape. Hello, Captain. Hello, Miss Williams. Uh, Casey, this lady thinks she recognizes the dead woman. Well, that's swell, Andy. If you can identify her, lady, your picture will be in the paper. Say, I happen to be in charge here. Oh, excuse us, Logan. Uh, who do you think the dead woman is, lady? Well, as I was just telling this young newspaper woman officer, I can't be sure because the poor thing is lying on her face. But I'm almost positive that's the body of Nora Gellhorn because she had a red raincoat exactly like that. <laughs> She's the only woman in this neighborhood who'd wear anything so flashy. And I've got a notion that a certain person wanted her out of the way. Huh? What do you mean by that? Well, her husband, officer, has been carrying on something disgraceful with another woman. Mrs. Gellhorn told me that herself. And she wasn't the sort who'd let a man divorce her just because he happened to fall in love with somebody else. So I think... That her husband shot her? Oh, I know it's an awful thing to say, mister, but from the goings-on I've heard about it, I think he's been planning to put her out of the way for a long time. As I was saying to my eldest daughter, Eloise, only last uh, night... Where do these Gellhorns live? Oh, uh... Over there in the corner building on this side of the street. That's number 371, apartment 4C. I live in the apartment house next door. I'm Mrs. Patch. Mrs. Ida Patch. I said to my eldest daughter only last uh, night... Excuse I said... me, Mrs. Patch. Who's the other woman in this case? The one you say Gellhorn's been carrying on with? Oh, her name's Randall. Emma Randall. She and her husband live in the same building as the Gellhorns. Their apartment's directly across from mine. Hey, wait a minute. This Emma Randall has a husband? Yeah, poor man. Hey, you know, he stands in the way of Ferris Gellhorn's plans, too, so if you policemen don't act fast and put that murderer behind bars, you'll... We'll act fast, Mrs. Patch, if a checkup shows that your story is okay. Oh, you'll find it's true, all right. 
I'm not the only person in this block who's been expecting a thing like this to happen. Captain Logan. Yes, Sergeant? The photographers and tech men are finished. You can examine the body now. Come on, Mrs. Patch. I want you to make your identification positive. Oh, I hate to look at the poor thing. Well, Captain, I know my duty. Will you turn the body over, Doctor, so we can see the face? Thanks. Mm, She wasn't a bad-looking gal, Annie. Nope. Kind of pretty. Oh! Oh! Well, what's the matter, Mrs. Patch? Wait. That isn't Nora Gellhorn. It isn't. No, that's Emma Randall. The woman you said Gellhorn was in love with? Yeah, but that's Nora Gellhorn's raincoat. I'm sure of it now that I see it close. Uh, since Mrs. Gellhorn isn't inside of it, you'll have to revise your theory. I guess you don't think Gellhorn would shoot the woman he's in love with. No, no, he was crazy about Mrs. Randall. He wouldn't shoot her. Uh, too bad, Logan. For a few minutes, it looked as though you had a sweet suspect in a case that was half sewed up. Well, it may still be that way. Mrs. Patch, what kind of a guy is Randall, this dead woman's husband? Well, he's a nice, quiet kind uh, of man. Quiet kind, yeah. huh? Did he know about his wife from Gellhorn? Oh, he must have. Everybody knew. Uh, he sounds like the answer, Casey. This guy, Randall, stood all he could, then waited for his wife tonight and paid her off. James Randall wouldn't do that. He couldn't have done it. I'm afraid that's something you can't be sure of, lady. But I am sure. Mr. Randall hasn't been outside of his apartment since early this evening. He was inside it when I heard shooting down here on the street. How do you know he was inside? Well, his living room window was just across the court from mine. One of his shades was up a few inches, and I saw him over there, lying on the couch. You saw him? Well, just by accident, of course. Now, I never spy on my neighbors. Uh, well, that's that, Logan. Yeah. But there's another possible angle. What? That red raincoat. Mistaken identity. Kelhorn may have thought he was shooting his wife. That's it, Annie. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Mrs. Patch, you're sure this is Mrs. Gellhorn's raincoat? Oh, I'm positive. I recognize it by those peculiar buttons and that little mended place on the right shoulder. Well, have you any idea why Mrs. Randall should have been wearing it? Well, I suppose Nora Gellhorn lent it to her. Weren't they enemies? Well, not outwardly. Like most jealous women, they may believe they were friends. Would have made things kind of difficult if they didn't, seeing as they not only lived in the same house, but worked in the same restaurant. Uh, Worked in the same restaurant? Yeah, Harley's Grill. They're both waitresses there. Do you know if Mrs. Gellhorn or her husband are home now? No, I don't. Their windows aren't on my side of the house. That's too bad. Let's find out for ourselves, Logan. We will, Casey. Sergeant, take charge here. Yes, sir. Have Martin take Mrs. Patch down to headquarters and get a complete deposition from her. Oh, I'd much rather go with you, Captain. Uh, You and the Captain can get together later, Mrs. Patch. But I'll shoot that picture of you now. For the paper, Mr. Casey? Uh, The best paper in town. Oh, goodness, I look just a fright in this old coat. On account of rain, I didn't get... fine clothes on you would only gild the lily. Oh, Mr. Casey. Uh, Now, just stand just as you are. Hold that bewitching smile. (laughs) That does it. You want to take another? If he does, he's staying here without me. Come on, Miss Williams. I'll okay. take more shots of you later, Mrs. Patch. Coming, Logan. Try to pull yourself together, Mr. Randall. I'm sorry we've had to bring you such rotten news. And my wife. Dead. Tough fella. Please let me go to her. I got to see her. Not now. Later, pal. Yeah, but she's lying down there in the street, you say, in the rain. They'll have taken her away by now, Mr. Randall. You can go to her when you get a little more used to the idea of what you'll have to see. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll be better. Who killed her, Captain? Who shot my wife? Well, we hope you may be able to help us find that out. I don't know. I, I can't help you. <clears throat> Before we came to you, we stopped at the Gellhorn's apartment. Nobody was home. Why'd you stop there? Well, we want to meet uh, Mr. Gellhorn, especially. Is he a friend of yours? He's a neighbor. I see. You, uh... You've been talking to people, Captain. Someone's been telling you things. Oh, well, frankly, yes. Randall, do you think... No. That... Ferris Gellhorn would be the last man in the world who would kill my wife. That wasn't the question I meant to ask you. You think he's the sort who would kill his own wife? I... I don't know. Now, when you let us in here, Mr. Randall, you said you'd been asleep. Yeah, I, I was tired and I came home from work and I lay down on the couch there. Well, what time was that? It was around half past six, Mr. Casey. I slept until your knock at the door woke me up. Uh, it was plenty of daylight when you fell asleep, around half past six, Mr. Randall. Why did you turn the electric lights on then? The lights? Yeah. We saw a crack of light under the door before we knocked and woke you up. Well, you see, when my wife is 
was working late, Mr. Casey. I always turned the light on for her if I was going out or going to sleep. You see, she... She headed to come home to a dark apartment. Will you keep your big mouth shut, Casey, and let me handle this? It was a question we wanted answered, wasn't it? Well, I'd have asked the question, and I'll check on the answer. Now, you attend to your job and let me attend to mine. Okay, I'll take some pictures. Uh, no? Yeah, morning Express readers will want to know what the dead woman's apartment looks like. That'll be a good shot of this living room. Now I'll get one of the bedroom. Yeah. Mr. Randall, you must try to pull yourself together. You, you, you just must. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do my best, Miss Williams. Uh, <clears throat> how, uh, how long had you been married, Randall? Eight years. Uh, when did you and your wife meet the Gellhorns? Well, about two years ago, Captain. What sort of a fellow is Gellhorn? I hate the guys inside. He's a lousy wolf and a double-crosser. But if you suspect him of her murder, I know you're wrong. He wanted her to live. He didn't want her dead. This man sounds like a square shooter, Captain. Yeah, he does, Miss Williams. Check me down on that, too. Oh, so you're back again, Casey. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss anything. Who's there? Coletti, Captain. Uh, come in. We found Mrs. Gellhorn. Oh, is this... I'm Nora Gellhorn, Captain. This officer came to the restaurant for me. He told me why. Uh, sit down, Mr. Gellhorn. I've got to ask you some questions. Just a minute, please. Jim. Yeah, Nora. You know I didn't like your wife. I had plenty of reason not to, but... Now, I'm very sorry for you. Thank you. Now, Captain, what did you want to know? Well, first, Mrs. Gellhorn, did you lend Mrs. Randall the raincoat she wore tonight? Yes, I did. It was pouring when she got through work, and she didn't even have an umbrella with her. I was working late tonight in another girl's place, and I figured the rain had stopped by the time I finished, so I said, take my coat. And you remained at the restaurant after Mrs. Randall left there, Mrs. Gellhorn? Yes, I did. I checked, and Mrs. Gellhorn was in the restaurant when Mrs. Randall was shot, Captain. Okay, Pauletti. Mrs. Gellhorn. Yes, you said you worked late tonight in another girl's place? That's right. And do you usually come home at the same time as Mrs. Randall? Usually. Did your husband expect you at the usual time tonight? I guess so. I didn't bother to tell him. He doesn't care when I come home or if I come home. That looks like the payoff, Casey. Yeah. Uh, you know where your husband is tonight, Mrs. Gohan? I told me he was going to the movies. What theater? I don't know. You might find him at any of the neighborhood theaters. Except the 4th Avenue. He went there last night to see Lost Holiday. We'll pick him up. Sergeant Flanagan's posted guys at all the theaters around here, Captain. And that Mrs. Patch gave us a first-class description of Gellhorn. So Mrs. Patch is the one who's been telling you cops things. She told us nothing that you and Mr. Randall haven't verified, Mrs. Gellhorn. Oh, all right, then. My husband has been two-timing both me and Jim Randall here. But if you've got an idea that he killed Emma, you're wrong. I've told him that, Nora. Well, Mrs. Gellhorn, do you think he'd have liked you out of the way and uh, Randall here so he and Mrs. Randall would be free to get married? Well, well, sure he'd have liked that, but I know that he wouldn't... Come in. We've got Gellhorn, sir. I'm all ready for him, Sergeant. He's downstairs. Do you want him brought up here? Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. He hasn't been told anything. Oh, not a word, sir. Where'd you get him? Coming out of the 4th Avenue Theater. 4th Avenue? You said he'd seen the show there, Mrs. Gellhorn. Well, I thought he had last night. I can't understand. I can. Uh, go into that bedroom, Mrs. Gellhorn. Into the bedroom? Uh, for just a few minutes. Close the door and don't come out till I call you. Then come out quick. All right, I'll do it, but I, I don't... Okay, Sergeant. Have Gellhorn brought up. Yes, sir. The captain will see him up here, Pete. Come on. The old surprise treatment for Gellhorn, Logan. Yeah. His reaction when he sees his wife alive is all I need now. Certainly looks as though... Everything the... fits. Even the theater where they picked him up. He'd seen the picture there so he could describe every part of it that was shown while he was waiting in that alley. He went there after the shooting to establish an alibi. Sure, Mr. Sure Williams. he is, Captain. Bring him in. You don't have to job. I'm Captain Logan, Gellhorn. So you're the boss of these monkeys who've been putting a muscle on me. What's the big idea? We're simply doing a little investigating, Mr. Gellhorn. Investigating what? And why here? Randall, what's your part in this? Why have I been brought to his apartment? I'll explain, Gellhorn, if you need an explanation after... A lady, come out of that bedroom. 
You in that bedroom, come out. Nora. Think you're looking at a ghost, Gellhorn? What? What's my wife doing here? She's the last person you expected to see, isn't she? You thought she was dead. Well, I... If so, wipe that phony look of innocence off your face. The woman who wore your wife's red raincoat tonight was Emma Randall. She's dead. Emma's dead? Yes, Gellhorn. With three bullets in her back that you put there. I... I get it now, Captain. He mistook her for me and my raincoat. He killed my wife. Let me out of my camel. Get out of here. Get out of here. charge of murder. Me? Murder? Get a shot of that, too. All right, boys. Let's get him back to headquarters. Well, you can't do this to me. You don't know what you're doing. Well, come on, Casey. This case is all sewed up. Let's get our stuff to the paper. Okay, Annie. Uh, but I wonder. What? If this case is sewed up right. After what you and Miss Williams have told me, Casey, I can't see any doubt of that fellow Gellhorn's guiltiness. There isn't any doubt, Ethelbert, except in Casey's much too active imagination. Oh, Annie, you closed your mind like Logan. Oh. You two had so completely sold yourselves on Gellhorn's guilt before you saw him that nothing could unsell you. It didn't mean a thing to you, for instance, when Logan's big surprise act laid an egg. Oh, that. Gellhorn didn't act as if he was looking at a ghost. When his wife stepped out of that bedroom. Well, so what? He probably got a flash of Emma Randall's face after he shot her, realized the big mistake he'd made, and was all prepared. Well, that's possible, yeah. You know, Mrs. Gellhorn took longer than she should have to come out of that bedroom. And then she looked more nervous than her husband. I'd like to know why. Oh, Casey, you're trying to make something out of such little things. The parts of the case fit too smoothly, Annie, as though they'd been oiled by somebody. Yeah, but I can't figure it out. Oh, nuts. You know, this Gellhorn business is a lot like another murder I read about. It happened over in England. And that's and the Haslington murder, yeah. Haslington was the name of the gal who got shot. You know about it, huh? Yeah, Ethelbert. Oh, that's a famous old-timer, Ethelbert. Happened before any one of us were born. It was all news to me when I read it a couple of months ago in a detective magazine. They called it The Case of the Sable Cloak. Case of the Sable... <laughs> Yeah, detective magazine would. Hmm? Say, you know, I promised to show you those pictures I took last night that the paper didn't have space for. Yeah, I'd like to see them. Uh, here. Here's a print of the Randall living room. This is the bedroom, and here's Mrs. Patch. Mm, and will she be sore because her picture didn't make the paper? Uh, she's the woman who gave us the lead on Gelhorn. Ain't she a funny-looking old dame? Look at the... <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's a dangerous old dame, I tell Say, wait a minute. Give me that picture I took of the bedroom. What? I noticed it before, but it didn't register. Look at the pillows on the bed. Well, well, they're, they're, they're just pillows. Yeah, but they're on top of the bedspread, uncovered. I don't Randall's see... alibi, Annie. What? And now, wait a minute. Look at this picture of the living room. The window shades are pulled to within a few inches at the bottom. Now, that narrow space is all Mrs. Patch had to look through when she saw Randall lying on the couch. What have pillows in the bedroom got to do That's with... That's what I'd like to know. Ethelbert, you say you read about the Haslington murder in a recent magazine. Was the magazine True Murder Chronicles? Yeah, but it that was called The Case of the Sable Cloak. What does it? You've been a great help to me tonight, pal, and to Ferris Gellhorn. I? Come on, Annie. We're going to pay another call on Emma Randall's husband. Well, okay, Casey, but I'd still like to know... So would I... But what was the... Oh, they always do that to me. Who's that? Casey, Mr. Randall, and Miss Williams. May we come in? It's important. Uh, just a minute. Casey, how are you going You'll to... You'll soon know, Annie. Hmm. A door just closed inside there. So what? I don't know why you haven't told me all you I've think. I've been too busy thinking to tell you any. Okay. Uh, come in. Thanks, Randall. Uh, sit down, Miss Williams. Thank you. Casey? I'll rest on my feet, thanks. What, uh, what have you come to see me about? New evidence in your wife's murder. New evidence? Yeah. Gellhorn didn't kill her. What do you mean? Say, it's, it's awful stuffy in here. 
You mind if I lift this shade and raise the window a little? Since you're already doing Thanks. It. Randall, you ever read a story called The Case of the Sable Cloak? I... No. That's <laughs> funny. It was published only a few months ago in True Murder Chronicles. And I noticed several issues of that magazine here last evening. Well, I, uh... Those magazines belong to my wife. I... I never read them. Oh, I see. Well, this particular story told about a rich Englishman who fell hard for a gal named Haslington. He wanted to marry her, but he had a wife. His wife owned a sable coat. And one night he shot and killed a woman who was wearing that coat. But the woman had borrowed it from his wife. And the woman was Miss Haslington. Well, that, uh... That's, uh... Like Gellhorn and, uh... And Emma. Uh-huh, yeah. The cops were pretty sure to remember the famous Haslington case if a similar murder occurred and to jump to a conclusion based upon it, see? If everything was previously arranged to point that way. Uh, don't you think so? I, uh, I don't know. Oh, sure you do. I tell you, now, I, the I guy don't... who really murdered your wife was fairly smart. He started to point suspicion toward where he wanted to fall soon after that magazine story gave him his big idea. And he figured a pretty fair alibi. He even had an excuse for a light to burn when it shouldn't have, so he could be seen in a place where he wasn't. What are you driving at? After the murder, he continued to play smart. He denied his belief in Gellhorn's guilt while constantly pointing the finger at him. And he got rid of the clothes he'd worn out in the rain. I, I looked for him while I was in your bedroom last you, you, night. You're accusing me? Because you slipped up on a little detail last night, and because tonight, the two of you made a bigger mistake. Keep away from that door. Come out of that room, Mrs. Gellhorn. Come out. All right. Here I am. You shouldn't have let your murder partner come here to talk things over, Randall. And you shouldn't have hidden her so clumsily before you let us in. He knows, Nora. He knows everything. Shut up, Jim. He wouldn't have known anything if you hadn't said that. It doesn't matter now, does it? Yes, it does. Don't make a move. It means you too, Miss Williams. Is that the gun your boyfriend used to kill his wife with? If it is, you'll never prove it. Nora, what are you going to do? The only thing to do, Jim, kill these people. They know you killed your wife and that I helped you. They can send us to the chair. You'll never get away with it. We'll tell the police you broke in here and I shot you in self-defense. Just a second, Mrs. Gellhorn. I want to go on living. And I've arranged things, so I will. How do you mean? <laughs> You've forgotten I opened that window. Window? Mrs. Patch. She's been getting an eyeful and an earful. I'll have you know, Mr. Casey, that I only happen to be at this window by accident. I believe you, Mrs. Patch. Give me that oh. gun, Mrs. Oh. Gellhorn. Oh, thank you. Oh. Now, you two smart killers, sit down and wait for the cops. Go on, Randall. Phone headquarters, Annie. Okay, Casey. After I phoned city desk. Oh, but wait a minute. You still haven't told me why those pillows on the top of the bed made We'll go sick. over to the blue note, Annie, and I'll tell you all about it. All right. Oh, Mrs. Patch. Yeah? I guarantee that your picture will be in the Express tomorrow. Oh, Mr. Casey! Now, back to Casey and Anne at the Blue Note Cafe. This uh, Randall and Mrs. Gellhorn planned the killing so they could be free to tie up with one another, huh, Casey? That's right, Ethelbert, yeah. You still haven't told me what you had on Randall when you went to his place, Casey. Well, I didn't have anything, except the Haslington case you'd mentioned. You mean the case of the sable cloak? <laughs> okay, pal, the case of the sable cloak. I think that's a nice title. I only had that, a hunch about those bed pillars... I hope that Randall would crack up and make an admission. Yeah, what was your hunch about them bedpillows? Well, I figured Randall might have rigged up a dummy to fool Mrs. Patch. That huh? all she really saw were his pants and shirt stuffed with pillows. And that was all she saw, too, Ethelbert. When Randall came back after the shooting, he got out of his wet clothes, put on the dry ones that had covered the dummy, and tossed the pillows back under the bed. But a little too carelessly. What'd he do with the clothes he'd worn out in the rain? Put them in Gellhorn's apartment. They belonged to Gellhorn. Randall had even worn his things. Say, he and that Mrs. Gellhorn thought of almost everything. Yes, Ethelbert. Almost everything. You know, Casey, 
It's like my sister Edna says, quote, anything that's not worth doing is not worth doing well. Yeah, unquote. Crime Photographer is directed by John Dietz and stars Stotts Cotsworth as Casey. It is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey created by George Harmon Cox. It's lighter, more compact. It requires no deposit, no return to the store. We're talking about that famous Anchor Glass beer and ale bottle pioneered by Anchor Hawking. It will shortly be released for civilian use. Watch for it. The new Anchor Glass one-way no-deposit bottle, a product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, The Handkerchief. Joe Paletti's tavern in the factory district at 11.30 o'clock on a Friday night is almost deserted. Behind the long bar, two white-coated bartenders are busily polishing glasses, while Joe Paletti himself, a jovial-looking fat man, checks his cash register. The street door opens, and a huge uniformed policeman enters. Evening, Joe. Ah, Lieutenant McHugh. Hi, Mac. Hello, Lieutenant. Bill, Andy. Say, where's your other barkeep tonight, Joe? Gus? Oh, he was not feel so good. I told him go home and lie down. But he'll be back on a job at 12 o'clock when the rush starts. This is the night of your big rush, isn't it? Friday's payday at the factory. Yeah, five minutes after 12 o'clock, everyone who's quits work at midnight comes in to cash his paycheck and uh, uh, buy a drink. Or a dozen drinks. <laughs> You've got a sweet racket, Joe. Yeah, to cash these checks is good business. Uh, what do you have, Lieutenant? I'm out of cigars again. Well, here's your special brand. Thanks. Say, how much worth of checks you figure on cashing for that factory crowd tonight? Well, last week was over 16000 Tonight in my safe upstairs, I got 20000 a bucks. Well, that's a lot of dough. Too many people know you keep heavy cash on hand these Friday nights. That's dangerous. Oh, what's dangerous? Ain't I got a first-class safe in my apartments upstairs? And I also got a burglar alarm. Ain't you cops got a precinct station just one block away? If anybody tried to stick me up, ain't you going to come and stop him? <laughs> <laughs> You're a hard guy to argue with, Joe. Because he's got a thick skull, McHugh. What are you doing here, Snyder? I just dropped in for a beer. Snyder, when I paid you off two weeks ago, I told you to get out of my place and keep out. So what? Public place, isn't it? Come on, draw me a beer, Joe. I... Bill. Yeah, boss. Give this louse a beer. See, he pays for it. Okay. <laughs> Your boss don't like me, Bill. Neither do I or anybody else here. Here's your beer. Thanks. Here's your dough. Where are you working now, Snyder? I ain't working. Joe Paletti's seen to that. I ain't recommending no bartender I catch a stealing from my cash register. I didn't steal. If you could prove I did, you'd have turned me over to the cops. Joe could have proved it. He just gave you a break, Snyder. And you're not decent enough to appreciate it. Now finish your beer and get out of here. Okay, copper, I'll drink up and get out. 
<clears throat> Wind if I wipe my mouth off first? How do you guys like this handkerchief I'm using? Pretty classy, huh? Yeah, it's a just a like a use, Snyder. It's allowed, it's a cheap, and it's got a lot of yellow in it. Maybe someday, Joe, you'll be kind of sorry for the raw stuff you pulled on me. For so long, when I see you next, I hope it's in the in the obituary columns. He's got a few drinks under his belt, Joe. If he comes back tonight, you better keep an eye on him. You too, Bill. He won't bother the boss, Mac. Well, I've got to get back to the station house. Uh, here's for the cigars, Joe. Thanks. So long. So long. Oh, Lieutenant. Uh, yes, Joe? How's your wife? Oh, about the same. She doesn't get any better. Uh, she's been sick a long time, huh? Yeah, over a year. Cost you plenty of money, huh? Every cent I had. Look, if I can help now, any... thanks, I... Joe, but the guy in my job can't borrow dough from... Well, not and keep his nose clean. I'll see you later. So long, Mac. Good night, Lieutenant. Uh, Andy. Yes? You uh, bring up plenty lemons? Uh, more than we need, Joe. Okay. Uh, ten minutes to twelve. I go upstairs now and get the money from my safe to catch them paychecks. Uh, when is Gus supposed to get back here, Bill? Twelve o'clock, Andy. Uh, I hope he gets here... We need help to handle that factory mob. Gus won't let us down. I wonder if we shaved enough ice. Aye, uh, there's plenty. Say, what was that rat Snyder in here for? I was at the far end of the bar when you and the boss and Lieutenant McHugh were talking to him. Oh, he was just... What's that? Gunshots. Upstairs, where the boss is. That's his burglar alarm. Come on. I'm with you. We're coming, Joe. Uh, the door's locked. We got to break it down. Let's go together. Look, the safe is open. There's Joe on the floor. He's been shot through the head. Uh, that back window's open. The killer busted out there. Can you see anyone? Uh, no, too dark. But the cops have heard that alarm. They'll get whoever did this. Andy, I know who did it. What? Come here. Look at that handkerchief on the floor. Handkerchief? That's the loud one Ed Snyder had tonight. Bill, if you and Andy will take another pose in front of that door you busted open after you heard the shooting. Like this, Mr. Casey? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Hey, you get in this shot too, Gus. Well, I, uh, I didn't get here till after poor old Joe was killed, Mr. Casey. Well, that doesn't matter. You're one of the bartenders. Stand next to Andy, huh? Okay, all right. All right, I'll face the camera now. Hold it. That does it. You got enough pictures, Casey. Now, I want these gentlemen to go on telling me what happened after they found the body. Well, we told you about all there is to tell, Miss Williams. The cops and uh, Lieutenant McHugh here... They come running up these stairs only about a minute later. We'd heard the burglar alarm, of course. Well, how do you figure Poletti pressed that alarm button after he was shot through the head, Lieutenant? Huh? He fell on the button, Casey. It was next to the safe. Oh. But you policemen didn't catch the killer, Lieutenant. He got away through that dark alley with Joe Poletti's $20,000. Is that right? Yes, but he won't get far with that twenty grand, Miss Williams. That yellow handkerchief Bill found on the floor told us who he is. I've got every cop in this precinct looking for Snyder. You say he's been a bartender whom Paletti fired for theft. Yes, and an all-around rat. Hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Mack, how do you figure Snyder got in here, huh? Bill says Paletti always kept that window locked. Huh? Well... well... this Snyder guy could have come up these front steps. There's two doors at the bottom. One leading into the bar and the other under the street. Oh, uh, but Paletti wouldn't have let him in the door up here. Not Snyder. Doesn't matter how he got in. Before he got out, he left evidence enough to burn him. I'd recognize that loud yellow handkerchief among a thousand others. So would I, Lieutenant. Thanks, Sergeant. We'll go up now and look things over. Come on, you fellas. Captain Logan, Casey. Hello, Logan. What? Casey. So the big boss of the homicide squad has finally gotten here. Hiya, Captain. I might have known you two'd get around to get in my hair. Hello, McHugh. Glad to see you, Captain. Hello, Doc. Pete. Hey, uh, get to work, you tech men. Here's your corpus delecti, Doc. Now, Lieutenant McHugh, your sergeant downstairs has given me the general layout. It's open and shut on this guy Snyder, huh? As far as I'm concerned, there's his handkerchief. Bill, the head bartender here, identifies it too. One hundred percent. 
Not many guys that carry a loud colored handkerchief like that. It's a cheap handkerchief, Logan, which means a lot of guys probably carry them. Casey, you must have all the pictures you need by this time. Go back to your paper with them and don't bother me. Ann and I have got to stick around for the payoff, pal. Well, sure. We're waiting for Snyder to be brought in. All right. Can you tell what caliber bullet killed the guy, Doc? I can, Captain. There's a thirty-eight caliber slug lying under this chair. I wouldn't touch it, of course, till you homicide guys got here. I see, Lieutenant. It's a thirty-eight, all right. Caliber you cops use. Yeah. Police positive says. Uh, Lieutenant Mack. Yes, Casey? Where did this guy Snyder carry this handkerchief you saw him use tonight? I, uh... You remember, Bill? Yeah, sure, in his coat, the breast pocket. I remember him tucking it back there. Huh? Why do you suppose he took it out of his breast pocket and dropped it here? As a definite lead? Well, I don't know. Maybe Paletti's last act was to yank that wiper out of Snyder's pocket. Well, that's possible. Lieutenant, you were in the precinct house when the burglar alarm went off, huh? Uh, no, I was out getting some air uh, around the corner. Alone? Yes. Why? Just wondering. Hmm. Nobody ties Snyder up with his handkerchief except you and Bill, Lieutenant. Say, look here, Captain. You're not getting a wild idea that maybe... Until I have more than this handkerchief as evidence against Snyder, I'm going to investigate this job from every angle. But you can't possibly think that Captain I... Captain Logan. Yes, Feldman? We've got Snyder. Bring him up here. Yes, I get pictures of Okay, Snyder, get moving. Come on, you. Okay, okay, you don't have to yank my arm off. So, you're Snyder. I ain't trying to say any different. Hello, McHugh. You tried to get away with a little murder tonight, didn't you, Snyder? The smug who pinched me, give me the idea that's what you'll try to pin on me. Prove it if you can. Shut up until you're asked to talk. Yeah, okay, copper. You made the pinch, Feldman? Yes, Captain. He was sneaking out of an alley on Chester Street. He started to run, and I, I had to throw a shot over his head. Sneaking out of an alley, eh? Started to run. That don't prove I murdered anyone, McHugh. Shut up! Of course, you searched him, Feldman. Aye, first thing, sir. No gun on him and no sign of Joe Paletti's 20 grand. But I found these in his pocket. 30 caliber cartridges, huh? That's all we need, Captain. Eight. Naturally, he threw away the 38 revolver used to kill Paletti. I never had any 38 revolver. I picked them cartridges up on the street. Sure. And I suppose you lost the nice colored handkerchief you had in the bar tonight. Uh, I, I don't know what you mean, McHugh. He didn't have any colored handkerchief when I pinched him, Lieutenant. Is this your handkerchief, Snyder? Well, I... No. No, I never saw that thing before. We know it's yours. What have you done with the money you took from Paletti? I didn't take no money. I didn't kill Paletti. The truth now will save you a lot of trouble, Snyder. Well, I... I... Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what you want to know. You killed Paletti. Yeah. Huh. That does it, Casey. Yeah, that does it. Now, Snyder, what did you do with the 20 grand you took? That's the big payoff question, ain't it, copper? Well, I wanted to pay me something so you don't get an answer until I see my lawyer. Take him to headquarters, boys. Come on, Snyder. Okay, copper. Gonna let him see a lawyer now, Logan? Why not? He's confessed the murder. And Casey, did you almost get me on a phony track about Lieutenant McHugh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was all wrong. One hundred percent. Well, see you later, pal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so long. Come on, Casey, let's get our stuff to the office. Okay, Annie. Annie, you know, it, it's funny. What? I've got the doggondest hunch that I wasn't all wrong. <laughs> The thing is blown up in my face, Casey. Snyder didn't kill Paletti. Now, calm down, Logan, and tell me about it. The lawyer Snyder insisted on seeing came in at noon today with seven reputable witnesses. Witnesses to what? To a perfect alibi. At the time Paletti was shot, between 11.55 and midnight, Snyder was in a restaurant nearly a mile away. Seven reputable witnesses say that. Huh? They are ready to swear to it. Mm. Well, how does he explain his phony confession? Claims he had to stall us until he could prove his alibi. That's pretty thin. Sure. The truth is that he's a small-time cop hater who was getting a kick out of making us look like saps. Yeah, and he says he found those 38 shells and lost his handkerchief. Yeah. Casey, I figure he did lose that handkerchief. Just outside Paletti's tavern, maybe. Somebody found it, got an idea, and planted it besides Paletti's body. Any suspects? I... I don't like to say this, but... Well, cops sometimes go wrong, Casey. Lieutenant McHugh has been under heavy expense on account of his sick wife, and 20 grand is a lot of dough. 
Yeah. Snyder may have given his handkerchief to somebody, Logan. What do you mean? Well, if suspicions hadn't immediately centered on Snyder last night, everybody in the vicinity of Poletti's tavern would have been a suspect, huh? Yeah. Anybody who couldn't furnish an on-the-spot alibi might have been searched for the murder gun and that dough. Yeah. When Snyder was pinched and made his phony confession, he gave the killer plenty of time to get the stolen money undercover. Snyder and the killer were working together. That's my guess. I think it's the right one. I'll have another talk with that rat, Snyder. Uh, no, 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 pal, don't. Uh, let him go. Uh, let him go? Yeah, with the idea that he's gotten away with it. But tail him, Logan, day and night, until he leads you to his partner, the guy who has that 20 but... grand. Okay, Casey, we'll try it your way. But your way had better pay off. <laughs> Good night, Mrs. Wheelbracker. The strangest darn people come in here sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, don't look at us when you say that, pal. Casey! Hello, Miss Williams. Hello, Ethelbert. Say, I've been wondering when you two had come in. Anything new on that Paletti murder? No, not yet, Ethelbert. You know, I take a personal interest in that case, being as how it happened to a bartender, a brother professional, as you might say. <laughs> Captain Logan's detectives have been shadowing that Snyder guy for three days now. They sure have. They know what he's done every single yeah, minute. If he hasn't made or received any phone calls or made contact with anyone who might be a logical suspect. Or at least he hadn't up to noon today when Logan showed us the latest report on him. It's nearly six o'clock. Maybe something's happened since. Uh-uh. Logan would have let me know if it had. Hmm. Maybe your idea about Snyder was wrong, Casey. Listen, that's what I'm hearing from Logan. Now, don't you start pulling it. The idea a little time, huh? Well, gee, I didn't mean... Oh, Walter, will you... Uh, never mind, Ethelbert, never mind. I'll get it. It's probably from me anyhow. Excuse me, Annie. Sure. Blue note. Uh, that you, Casey? Yeah. I thought it might be you, Logan. Anything new? Get into that jalopy of yours and come to Spring Road off 200th Street as soon as you can make it. Well, there's nothing but woods out there. Oh, yes, there is. There's something I want you to see, smart guy. What's that? The dead body of Snyder. There's all that's left of him, Casey, in that ditch. Yeah. Shot through the head. Yeah, twice with a thirty-eight revolver as Paletti was shot. Snyder had been dead over an hour when he was found here. Well, then that means that the detectives who were watching he him... gave him the slip, Miss Williams. I wanted to keep this rat at headquarters and sweat the truth out of him, Casey. Instead, I listened to you. You see the result? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mind giving us some of the details, Logan? I'd be happy to tell you all I know. You may have another bright idea. Don't rub it in, huh? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. This is my fault, not yours. Say, huh? hey, Logan. I, I hope you'll have an idea to give me a, a different idea than I have. Hey, Pally, you sick? I... Here's what happened. At three o'clock this afternoon, Snyder was walking up Crosley Street with one of my guys behind him when he suddenly hopped into a Ford sedan, parked at the curb, and got away. Huh? Another guy was at the wheel, all ready for, all ready to go. I think the driver of that sedan was Snyder's partner in the Paletti murder. I'm still riding with your theory about that. And he killed Snyder because he didn't want to share that twenty grand with him. He needed. He wanted it all. Or because he knew Snyder was being trailed. Snyder was dangerous to him. Yeah, that fits, too. Yeah. Obviously, he and Snyder met by appointment, Logan. Snyder expected him to be waiting in a car at that time and in that place. Sure. Well, then your killer is someone Snyder talked to since you turned him loose. Yep. You checked on everyone Snyder talked to? Yeah. There hasn't been a logical suspect in the bunch, Casey, until... until today. You mean he talked to somebody today? Yeah. Several hours before he got into that sedan. Who? Lieutenant McHugh. McHugh? Captain Logan. From the first, I figured McHugh might have killed Paletti, but I've never, never really believed he did. You believe it now? He needed that dough, Casey, all of it, for a sick wife. 
He's a cop. Well, that he would have opened that upstairs door for him. I've known Mac a long time. He's been a good guy and a good cop. Logan, where did he and Snyder talk today? Outside of Paletti's Tavern. Paletti's Tavern? Yeah. Snyder had the nerve to go in there and ask for a drink. That's all he had a chance to do. One of the bartenders grabbed him and threw him out of the joint. Lieutenant McHugh came along just then and helped him out of the gutter. Then they talked. Yeah, for two or three minutes, walking up the street together. And McHugh went off duty soon afterwards, and he didn't go home. He could have met Snyder in that sedan. It looks like McHugh all the way, Casey. How close was your detective when Snyder was given the bum's rush from Poletti's? Oh, he'd only just followed him inside the joint. It happened that fast. Which bartender gave Snyder that rush act? Uh, it was Andy. Uh, oh, Andy. Who was in the bar downstairs when Poletti was killed upstairs. He couldn't have been Snyder's partner. Oh. Your man's sure it was Andy, huh? Well, he didn't have time to ask for names, but the description he gave me is Andy's tall with dark hair. Well, Bill is tall, but he's bald. Well, Gus has dark hair, oh, but he isn't tall. Say, your guy got only a quick look at that bartender. Yeah, but he couldn't be wrong about it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Logan. A medium-sized guy looks tall when you see him beside a very short guy. Now, Snyder was a shrimp, and Gus hauling him around with a collar would look like a six-footer. Well, Gus! Poletti would have unlocked that upstairs door for Gus, Logan. He was a trusted employee. Gus didn't report for work until after Poletti was killed. Casey, you're right. Let's get Gus and go to work on it. He's a tough cookie, Logan. You'll never break him. I'll make him talk. I don't think you will. Uh, Look, Logan, can I stick my neck out again? Casey, I'll listen to anything now. All right. We'll take Gus for a little ride. A ride? Yeah. But not in a police car this time. We'll use my jalopy. you guys driving me to? You said you were taking me to headquarters. Hey, we're way out in the country. We changed our minds about headquarters, Gus. What do you mean? Too many people hang around down there. Where are you taking me? Just take it easy, sucker. Look, you're a cop, Captain Logan. You can't kid me into thinking that We you... know you got that 20 grand, Gus. I tell you, I don't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what you told it's us. That's what I'll go on telling you. This is a nice deserted spot, Logan. Yeah, a perfect spot, Casey. Shall I stop here? Yeah. Right. Yeah, what... what... What are you going to do here? Just talk. For a while. Step out of the car, Gus. No, you... Step out. Hey, what... Why are you pulling that gun? You can't bluff me. I ain't afraid. What have you done with the money you stole from Paletti? I told you. What have you done with that dough? I ain't got it. I ain't got it. We want that 20 grand, Gus. And we're going to have it. Hey. I'm getting a picture now. You two came to my hotel room alone. You bring me out here alone. I get it now. You two are working together. Logan and I do a lot of work together, Gus. So that's it. You want that dough for yourselves. Where is it? I ain't talking. We'll see about that. Here, Casey, hold my gun on this mug. Sure, while I pal, I will. Oh, you don't. You drop the gun. I'll get it. No, I got it. Casey, he has to go. I stick him up. Okay. Okay. Ah, thanks for this gat. You two saps should have stayed honest. You ain't got the brains for fast stuff. So you thought you'd hijack my 20 grand. Listen, Gus, you're in the racket. You know how guys have to figure. If you'd been nice and told us where to find that dough. Sure, Gus, we'd have been nice. So now I'll be nice to you. (laughs) Tell you where to find it. (laughs) It's buried under a flower bed on my old man's grave in Oakwood Cemetery. I buried the gat I used to kill Paletti and Snyder there, too. That was smart. (laughs) Yeah. I think of little things like that. 
Just like you mugs thought of bringing me to this deserted spot. In a car that I'll drive away. Alone. Uh, Gus, you, you're not going to... No, Gus, you, you can't... You get up between the eyes like Snyder and Pauletti. No! What the... Something the matter, Gus? This, this gun is empty. Uh-huh. That's another little thing we thought of. Well, you, you double-crossed me. Thanks for the confession, Gus. Come on. Now we're really going to headquarters. Right. And then, Casey, you and I have got something to do with the Blue Note. Ah, what's that, Logan? I'll tell you on the way about it. So you cops found that 20 grand and the murder gun just where Gus said it was. Hey, Captain Logan? That's right, Ethelbert. Yeah. Gus figured he had no reason to lie to a pair of dead pigeons, as he figured Logan and me to be. Well, I'm certainly glad that a disgrace to the bartending profession like he was is going to get what he deserves. Hey, uh, by the way, Captain, what brings you here to the Blue Note tonight? Uh, Ethelbert, uh, Casey and I want a box of the best cigars you have in the place. Yeah, we, uh, we want you to send them to Lieutenant McHugh, Ethelbert. He, here's his address here. Well, sure, but Casey, why are you and Captain Logan, head of the homicide department, sending cigars to a cop? Well, you see, well, that is, uh... uh... It's just... <clears throat> you see, McHugh likes to smoke cigars. Crime Photographer is directed by John Dietz and stars Stotts Cotsworth as Casey. It is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey created by George Harmon Cox. It's lighter, more compact. It requires no deposit, no return to the store. We're talking about the famous Anchor Glass beer and ale bottle pioneered by Anchor Hawking shortly before the war. It will soon be released for civilian use, so watch for it. The new Anchor Glass one-way no-deposit bottle, a product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Our cast features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne, John Gibson as Ethelbert, Bernard Lenro as Logan, and the Blue Note pianist is Herman Chittison. The original music is by Archie Blyer. Crime Photographer is brought to you each Thursday at this time by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.